G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, I chat with Hex about how you can win tickets to the Australian Grand Prix. I'm joined by a new friend of the show. Some of our audience, Australian audience, who uh, are our age probably will know Hex as Hex, but I'm going to talk to her as Steph. As Steph joins us to talk about her background, about Formula One, and most importantly, how you, dear listener, can win yourself some tickets to the already sold out Australian Grand Prix. Steph, so great to have you join us. Thanks so much. Yay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a blast. Uh, we'll, we'll try not to talk too much about how I know you and how I remember you. Um, but let's let's go back to the great institution. Um, no, not play school. We'll talk about after play school on the ABC. Uh, 2009, you really came to the floor for, for our generation in Australia, certainly, and, and probably many more. Uh, talk to us about what that was like, because you really were sort of thrust into it and And you've kind of gone from strength to strength from there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, growing up, I was really super nerdy and big into fantasy fiction and always spending a lot of time in other worlds and escapism and and stuff like that. So I loved video games, even though my parents were um, not big on video games in in, in our home. Um, But I never kind of pursued a career in video games deliberately. It wasn't something that I thought you could do unless you were a programmer, which I definitely wasn't. But I loved this show, Good Game, um, on the ABC. Um, it was on, I can't remember if it was on Tuesday nights at that point, but I, I would watch it, I think, on my phone. I would podcast it from <laughs> iTunes or something like that um, every week. And it was the first time I really saw gaming culture celebrated. And so when an opening came up at that show, it was, it was really a dream come true. And it's been a very nerdy, very blessed, awesome journey since. Yeah, and you're absolutely crushing it now in the creator space. Before we start talking a little bit more about Formula One and and everything else, can you talk a little bit about what you're currently doing, the projects that you've had on the go, but also maybe some favorite moments from, you know, thrust into to good game to now? Yeah. Oh man, it's it's been such a strange journey, and I guess unique in my case because we had an adult show um, on ABC Two, Good Game, that you know, we looked at Call of Duty and GTA and and things that had an MA rating and, and, and stuff. But we also had a kid's version of the show that looked at Pokemon and Minecraft and, you know, anything that had a, a G or a PG rating. So our audience was really broad and they kind of graduated from the kid's show to the adult show when they, <laughs> you know, came of, of, of age to be able to play mature titles. And that means that to this day, I have an audience that has kind of grown up with me and then a younger audience that, you know, would have watched me when they were kids who are now in their 20s who, you know, are are keen gamers now and and I was a big part of their childhood. So it's a really strange but wonderful thing. And I think the the best thing to come out of it was just that enduring community and the fact that I was, you know, I had the privilege of being a, a part of people's lives as they were sort of growing up and figuring out what kind of people they were and, and the stuff that they liked. And if I steered them in a nerdier direction, then I think I've I've done a good thing. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And and genuinely, I mean, what a, an interesting time to be in that space sort of, you know, between 2009, which was really everyone was starting to get to grips with what gaming really was and building that community and social media had been around at least for a couple of years at that point. So to be able to get around a show like Good Game is incredibly awesome indeed. And it's, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're a massive part now of 
that kind of community and that gaming culture from an Australian point of view, but also internationally now too. I think what you you said, which is really interesting, just to to tie it to Formula One, is the the diverse background, right? These these fans that. But I know it's kind of the shift that we've seen from Drive to Survive to sort of to go this direction. But you know, earlier on, okay, yes, children's show, adult show, GTA, even though it's the same game now, about a million years later, uh, and Pokemon and everything else, which has also changed a lot. In Formula One, it was the old guard. Things weren't really progressing. We all remember, well, at least from this podcast point of view, we all remember at least you know, inverted commas, the good old days weren't actually that good. Liberty Media came along, bought Formula One. And really thrust it into a different and new direction. Of course, we had Drive to Survive, which was that main focal point in 2019. And what that did is shifted the sport from being very traditional audiences to this massive, massive audience with people from all kinds of backgrounds and interests are now able to watch this. It's very similar to gaming in in that respect, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's... um you know, one of the benefits of being in the industry for a long time is that I've been able to see the various changes that it's been through. And, you know, being a, a woman on on the show that I was on at, at the time um, felt like a bit of a novelty to a lot of people. And it's mm. been really cool to see the rise of Twitch give a lot more women um, and, you know, a, a more diverse group of people a platform to to share their passion for something. And I think I think Drive to Survive has been such an interesting kind of social experiment of of providing a, an accessible entry point for people into something that seemed inaccessible. For me, Drive to Survive is, is 100% how I got into Formula One. I was not only not interested in motorsport before that, I was, I'm, I'm not interested in any sport. <laughs> like I, I play video games and I read and I'm, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm a bit outdoorsy, but I'm, I'm pretty much like a nerd through and through. And so sport just did not interest me at all. And, and motorsport always seemed like, I think I was just like, why would I care which car goes around the track the fastest? And Drive to Survive was recommended to me by a friend because they sort of pitched it to me as something that it was almost as though the race was the least important part, which is not mm. really true, but but it kind of, it piqued my interest in that respect. And I think what it does so well is it shows you that there are so many, it, for one, it's such a high stakes sport. You know, I think it's, a lot of sports have high stakes, but this one in particular, just the money and the prestige atta- attached to it. And, you know, just the the barrier for entry, even for, for people who want to participate in the sport is so high. Um but it really gives us an insight into this, the human element behind all of the, the glitz and the glamour, the, the rivalries between the, um, the team principals, the, the drivers themselves, the, the, te- the drivers within the teams because they're, they're a team but they're sort of racing against each other at the same time and there's huge egos and there's so much to it that is interesting and thrilling that that creates this broader tapestry of what the sport is rather than just which car is the fastest and if every other sport had a drive to survive you know to to show people all of the color and shade to it it makes me wonder how much more accessible sport in general could be to people who previously thought they weren't interested in it like myself I love how excited you were just recounting like just thinking back to the key moments probably of the seasons that you watched (laughs) and how 
Yeah, I mean, historically, sure, if you're talking about being sports, I mean, you are into gaming, which absolutely now there is a huge kind of esports environment and, and Formula One is not a- away from that. But certainly early on, uh, that absolutely wasn't classified as a thing, certainly not a sport, not a sport, not like football. Uh, <laughs> but, for, but from being able to watch Drive to Survive and then understanding that, yeah, you're absolutely right. There is so much more. And to be honest, and maybe some of our listeners won't necessarily like me for this, it is more interesting than what happens on track. You get 20 races of the year, especially if if one of the drivers dominates like uh, Lewis Hamilton in previous generations of Formula One, you just go, okay, well, I'm interested in the pre-press conference and I'm interested in the post-race conference and I will deal with the two hours in the middle where I know the the podium, I know the three people who will be there and the rest of it doesn't matter. Um, But the great thing about Drive to Survive, though, is that it did bring some characters to the floor Daniel Ricciardo being one of those characters and it would be, we are absolutely Daniel Ricciardo biased here on this podcast um, (laughs) and stoked that he's no longer driving for McLaren. What a rubbish car. Um, Sorry, Oscar. We love you too. You're also Australian, (laughs) but it's your first year. You'll be fine. Uh, But let's, let's draw a link though, because you're both, well, I would say both Red Bull athletes because you're both in now in that fold. It's very exciting that Daniel has come back to Red Bull, but what was it? Do you think that, really drew everyone to him because he ended up being really the star to the to the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I love Max Verstappen, but I wouldn't say he's like personality plus, you know. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not going to fall back on a media career, I think, if, his, if, <laughs> if think he starts right. <laughs> being number one driver. Whereas Danny Ricciardo, he's just, he's such a larrikin. He's, he embodies everything that Australians love about Australians and in his humour and his attitude. He was the first one, I think, on on Drive to Survive to be like, um, can we swear in this show? Like F this or whatever. And everyone was like, oh, I love that, that he's so kind of, he doesn't have that filter. And I think Australians in particular really don't um, don't like people to, to present anything that feels a bit false or showy. And, and he really, you know, cast all of that aside. I think um, he, <laughs> it, it really is just the best possible outcome for Red Bull really to kind of keep their incredible drivers but now have Danny on side for the media stuff because that's what really everyone loves from Danny Ricardo anyway they just want to see him out there they want to hear him talking they want to see him doing shoeys and and partying and talking to people and having a good time and mouthing off you know I think <laughs> that's really all, all people care about I think everyone loved him as a driver and wanted him to do well but it it became clear I think that you know regardless of the car he in, he just, he wasn't able to, to quite get back up there. And maybe this is the best outcome for him. He, he'll probably have a longer career doing what he's doing now and he'll have a better time with less stress. Um, yeah. <laughs> One million percent. Yes. Leaving McLaren absolutely was the right thing to do. Whether he wanted to or not, now he's laughing, laughing all the way to being with David Coulthard and Mark Webber doing burnouts in old Red Bull cars during the year somewhere in Vegas, probably. Righto, everyone. Hang on, got to pay the bills around here. Yes, we'll get back to our chat in just a minute, but I need to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, which is probably not surprising to you, NordVPN. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive, you'll be able to find an incredible deal on arguably the best VPN 
on the market. All of us use NordVPN. It's exceptionally helpful for Freya, for example, who is still in Australia. And of course, it is her wedding this weekend, which is incredibly exciting for her. A massive congratulations to her and Daniel ahead of time and post time for a very long time after that, hopefully. Uh, But for her to be able to travel from Cayman Islands back to Australia, she's able to keep up to date with everything that she's been watching whilst at home. And of course, if she wants to watch anything from an Australian point of view, she can just set her VPN location to Australia. It's super simple to use. Trust me, NordVPN is absolutely worth it. So go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive for an incredible deal on the best VPN in the market. All right, let's get back to our chat. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the crossover between Formula One and motorsport because the direction we're going in is, is, as I said, at the top of the episode, how people can win some tickets to the Grand Prix, and that is the, the rise of motorsport gaming. Certainly, the Formula One game itself uh, really got a lot of attention uh, around COVID lockdowns to the point where Max Verstappen, as you said, and others like Lando Norris were able to jump into the sim equivalent not really, of their own racing cars <laughs> and uh, and have a go around it. But what that's done, though, is it started this whole eSports thing with Formula One, which continues to this day where teams have their own drivers. It is a brilliant intersection between gaming and does show how important things like online communities and gaming are to massive sports like Formula One, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about iRacing and I suppose the the motorsport area of esports is that it's really the only transferable skill in video games. Like you can be the best FIFA player in the world, but you're not <laughs> going to be able to get on a soccer field and do the same thing, you know. <laughs> but someone in a racing sim set up at home, you know, with with the right, I guess, investment in the equipment is is developing skills that would have real world application. And, and we've seen that a lot of drivers are using racing sims, you know, when they're just trying to get their skills up off track and, you know, learn some different strategies. And it's, I'm, I'm excited to see that evolve so that we can see more people, I guess, take the very rare step from, from gamer to real world athlete. I think it's really exciting. Uh, yeah, if you, if you want to have a go, there is a racing sim setup that, um, Heineken has organized for their player 0.0, um, sim racing competition. You can, uh, have a, a chance at setting the fastest lap and win a trip to see the Formula One uh, Grand Prix in Melbourne this year, which is a, a pretty hot ticket at the moment, I think. Yes, a very hot ticket. That is absolutely right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then because uh, that is the reason why we're talking um, and it is a good thing to do. I, I was sent this email uh, only yesterday, I think, or the day before. It's a very short notice and I'm all about short notice chats because <laughs> uh, the, the Grand Prix is not far away. We need to get this sorted. Tickets need to be sorted. Um, if you haven't already got one, then you have an opportunity. Now, uh, Sydney, Perth and Melbourne, you can, well, I will talk a little bit about where you can go and all the, the timings and everything else a little bit later after our chat. But um, what what can people expect, Steph, when they when they turn up? What is What can they expect? But also, how can they win? What are, have you got some tips? Uh, yes. Okay. So uh, look, I, I would say that racing is is definitely not my forte. I, I'm definitely more of a like action uh, shooter kind of person, but I do have a racing sim set up at home that I have been desperately trying to get better at. <laughs> it's, it's, and you know, if you have a wheel that has good force feedback, it's, it's really feels quite immersive. Um, and especially if you've got like, you know, multiple monitors, which I do cause I'm a gamer. Um, <laughs> It, yeah, it, I, I think the the biggest surprise for me, and this will seem obvious to racing fans, but you really, 
you have to take the corners so much slower than you want to. Like, you know, in the past playing Daytona and stuff like that, you, you could really just kind of gun it through. <laughs> you have to, it feels like you're going so slow even when you're not because when you're in it, it, it feels like your perception of speed is changed. But I would say, yeah, <laughs> the the corners are really the, you know, the the cornerstone of racing really. And so if you're in a racing sim setup, like, like we'll have set up with Heineken's player 0.0. Um, you really have to be kind of focusing on the corners. <sighs> and I guess just learn the track because, you know, there's been some sort of changes, I think, with, uh, you know, the amount of um, DRS zones, I think, over the uh, over the years. And there's all of that kind of stuff to consider. I don't know. I don't have a lot of racing tips. I would just say drive carefully and gut it down the straights and hope for the best. <laughs> And look, if damage is off, use other people to break. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. This, this is, it's, you're trying to get tickets to the Grand Prix. All out, full send. That's the only way. Channel as many rally drivers as you feel like you need to. Uh, no, Steph, I think that is that is a good point. But smooth is fast, apparently, through corners. Not that I've ever driven a Formula One car, nor will ever get an opportunity because I'm certainly not fast enough. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but I also struggle at F1 um, at the game, so much so that I've stopped playing because it's, it's better for everyone's <laughs> mental health if, if that's the case. Uh, but what was it about this this activation specifically that, that piqued your interest? Because yes, you, as you said, I mean, you absolutely in terms of first person shooter, and, and that's and people love watching you on Twitch in that space. But this is actually a challenge, which is is awesome to have a good crack at as well. Yeah, well, we've got locations. Uh, it's Westfield, Parramatta is the Sydney location. Um, Perth is going to be at the Brass Monkey in Northbridge, and in Melbourne, you can try at Chadstone Shopping Centre. Um, and these will be different dates throughout March. But if you go to HeinekenF1.com.au, you can see all the details there and on, um, you know, the different locations and, and when you can go. But um, I think for me, I'm just, I'm excited to potentially see some like gun eye racing fans come to the fore and, and win a really cool prize because it's such a, it's such a high stakes competition now and knowing that these tickets are, are pretty uh, hard to come by. So if, if I could just see some incredible eye racing um, dark horse come to the fore and win this, this would be just super exciting. Or some, if even like even better would be if it's someone who's just never done it before and just oh, <laughs> find some like natural skill for it would be amazing. Oh, yes, the comedy festival's on that weekend. I'll take some tickets to the Grand Prix and some flights and accommodations so I yeah, can go to yeah. that. <laughs> I'll, be at the, uh, I'll be at the Sydney location on Friday. I'll just be there like Will Buxton, just, you know, uh, <laughs> debriefing after every race and, and telling you where you went wrong. There you go. Well, that is that is a brilliant way to, to re- almost wrap this up. But what I want to say, though, and talk about just before we, we say goodbye, Steph, is just how much of a shift there has been in the audience, uh, you know, the very classic audience of watching Formula One is no longer that. Heineken's done some research, which I think is bloody fantastic here. And I cannot believe that in terms of new Australian fans to the sport in the last four years, 65% are women and 35% are men. That is an astonishing show to say this is a sport for everyone, regardless of who you are, which means that this competition is for everyone, regardless of who you are. And at the end of the day, there are incredible drivers all over the world who don't know that they're incredible drivers yet. (laughs) So, I mean, specifically only if you're in these three locations, unfortunately, although I'm sure that if you're listening around the world that this competition is maybe running in your capital city of choice, just search it, I guess, in your search engine of choice as well. But it's, it's really, really awesome, Steph, to see this massive shift now towards 
being such a, an equal environment for everyone to get around the sport. I, I just love it. And I, re- I mean, I really do think it speaks to the, just the, the stories behind the sport that, that really kind of draw such a, a broad audience to it. You know, I think for me, there's just so much like excitement, even, you know, even Kevin Magnuson, he was out of the sport, you know, he was out and and watching him come back in, that was such an unexpected, wonderful story to, you know, like a little kind of side story to, to weave into the main, you know, rivalries that we have between team principals and drivers. And, you know, it's those moments that I think people really latch onto. And then you start to develop these really wonderful, you know, uh, opportunities to become a fan of 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 drivers that never really saw or, or maybe saw the accolade that they deserved and I, I don't know I love it. it you love to root for the underdog you love the sort of little moments that happen in between the big drama and I think it's all of those little details that are that are making the sport more attractive to so many more different kinds of people and and to me it's it's only going to improve the sport and make it better so I I'm just super excited. Well, if you live in Sydney, Westfield Parramatta, the 10th to the 12th of March, the 10th is today. Listening to this episode today, it's on right now. If you're in Sydney, you can get to Westfield Parramatta, head there immediately, whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter. Stop it. Go straight there to do this. Uh, Perth, a brass monkey at Northbridge on the 17th to the 19th of March and Melbourne, a chatty from the 24th to the 26th of March, which is right on uh, the Grand Prix weekend. Uh, if you live in Sydney or Perth, I believe you get flights and accommodation and tickets in Melbourne, just tickets, because where are you flying to? Not to <laughs> Albert Park. Certainly not on one of the helicopters because I'm not either. Uh, Steph, who do you think is going... I mean, if okay, let's just rephrase this question because I know you're going to say Max Verstappen and he's also part of the campaign. If you <laughs> couldn't choose Max Verstappen to win the Grand Prix in Australia, who would you choose? Oh, that's tough. Uh, that's super tough. I feel like um, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lando Norris because I feel like he, I mean I love that he's he's a gamer and I feel like he's got a he's got a great career ahead of him, but he's probably still a bit too young and I think he'll have his day, so maybe not yet. I think Leclerc is due his time. <laughs> we'll take it, Charles Leclerc. Yeah, we'll take yeah, Charles that's Leclerc. So, that's, that's so tough because I have like I have special love for everyone, really. Yes. And the reality is Max is going to win the Grand Prix, so it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a, it's a silly question hey, to ask, Hey, anything could happen. Anything could happen. That's, anything could happen so long as it's either Red Bull or Red Bull winning uh, the Grand Prix because they're already walking away with it. But, uh, well, Steph, otherwise known as Hex, look, so great to chat. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you want to see Steph, you can go, as I said, this Friday today to Westfield Parramatta to, uh, to meet her and have a crack at the racing sim. Uh, Steph, good luck. For, for this, uh, as I said, if damage is turned off, use other people to break into the corners. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, a massive thank you to Steph for joining me to have a great chat about how you can become the Heineken 0.0 champion uh, and win some tickets to the Australian Grand Prix and some more awesome prizes for 2024. Uh, I will leave a link in the description below in the show notes wherever you're listening to be able to find out more about that. Sydney, Perth and Melbourne are the places that you need to know and it's happening very, very shortly. Uh, Of course, the Australian Grand Prix only weeks away and there's going to be more building up to this brilliant event. 
If you've been on our Instagram recently, you may have noticed that Lakeside Drive is giving away five double passes to an evening with Juan Pablo and Sebastian, his son, Montoya at Crown Casino. So on the Thursday night before all the action kicks off from Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you can get a double pass valued at about 200 Australian dollars for you and a friend or a loved one to go along and check out this pretty brilliant, awesome event. And additionally, I get to chat to Juan Pablo on the podcast in that week. So it's going to be a great event to attend. Uh, Make sure you go to our Instagram to that post. We'll pin that post on the top of our feed so you know how to win those tickets. Of course, you need to be able to go to the event and it's only for those two tickets. Uh, But otherwise, an incredible event to attend. And Juan Pablo Montoya has an incredible story. Of that, there is no doubt. Well, a massive thank you to you for listening and for subscribing to the show and even rating and reviewing the show. It genuinely helps the algorithm work itself out, especially considering there's about a million Formula One podcasts. Um, And a massive thank you to you for listening if you have found us via one of the other very brilliant F1 podcasts that we consider friends of the show. And whilst I might not be Daryl Simons, which is a very specific reference to Box of Neutrals, I am James and I have loved this episode and I'm loving doing all of this content for you guys. So hopefully you're enjoying it as well. We will see you very soon for another episode of Lakeside Drive.